<laughs> okay, welcome back. Uh, welcome back to another episode of Just Another Bozo on the Bus. I'm your host, Paul Randack, and this week I'm joined by friend and colleague, uh, Mandy Murray. Yes. Hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming, Mandy. It's good to, good to see you. Um, we are we are old friends, and uh, we haven't spent as much time together the past few years, but we, we connected recently, and I, when I thought about people I would like to have on, on the podcast, you were, you were definitely someone I wanted to sit down and talk to for a while, so... Thanks so much for being here. No, thank you, and thank you for considering me another bozo on the bus. <laughs> yes, well, <laughs> that's perfect. Okay, I do consider you another bozo on the bus, if I'm being I'm being honest. But I re- I relate to your what, you know what I call bozoness. So, yes, exactly. Yes, uh, we have we have some some of those things t- definitely in common with each other. Okay, well, as we start off each show, um, we want to get to know a little bit about you. So, if you want to go ahead and. And tell us, what does make you bozo and, and kind of how you, how you got here? What's your story, Mandy? <laughs> <laughs> there are so many ways to have how I got here, but let's start, let's start from the beginning, I sure. guess. Yeah? Well, you, um, grew, you grew up in this, yeah. in this area, I was right? raised here in, in uh, Salt Lake City and um, raised in an LDS family and followed that ideology for some time. Um, but I think it was at the age of 10 where my entire life flashed upon my eyes and changed the course of everything I knew. Um, You know, here I am raised in a Mormon family and all of a sudden I am getting sexually abused, being pushed down into, I I just did a speech. I called it 700 days of brown carpet. So one day I get pinned down between a closet and a bed and 10 years old am told to shut up, lie there and that this is a school assignment, and I, crying, screaming, it's not, it's only making things worse, and that... You mean the crying and the screaming? Yeah, yeah, so crying, you, yeah, yeah, crying and screaming is only Wait. making things worse from my, you know, obviously abuser, and sure. I sat there and endured that for 700 days, not every day, but at least weekly, um, all, everything that you can imagine, and things that, you know or said and done to a 10 year old that should never be done. And so I used to, I basically for two years grew up hiding in a bathroom, hidden behind a, you know, locked door and behind a shower curtain, lying in a bathtub with a book. Uh That's, that's, you know, that, that was my normal. That was, that was your, well, and (laughs) I guess the place that you were feeling some safety. Yeah. I mean, you did feel, I, I, I don't know if you did you feel safe I, yeah I felt safe in there which is why you know turned off the light I had a little flashlight <laughs> you in, know in, what, what in, 10 year old in, carries around dark, a flashlight 10 years old with a flashlight <laughs> reading books which you know now I'm a writer so that's mm-hmm. kind of interesting but um, you are a writer I am a definitely. writer yes Qu- quite prolific oh, thank you thank you but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that yeah, we'll, get to, we'll, we'll get to all of this stuff yeah. but that's my story starts there and you know, I was but, told... But up to that point, it was... It was normal. It was normal. I mean, you didn't... Happy, yeah. healthy childhood, you know, three brothers, mom, dad, mm-hmm. you know, cousins, aunts, uncles, we all saw each other, we all... It was it was normal. It was a normal mm-hmm. childhood. Mom and dad worked, we all went to school, I I was, a, you know, in dance, ballet, tap, and so I had I had a normal childhood. And even after that stuff that was happening, I still had a normal childhood. Uh-huh. I just was in fear, living in fear. 
and not able to tell anyone because if you tell that what it was told to me is if you tell anyone I will kill you and so I was afraid I didn't I didn't know what to do but then I took on that shame thinking that I had done something wrong because it was explained to me that if you do tell anyone people will think that you're a slut and right you know and one day you're gonna like when someone does this to you I'm training you and just bizarre bizarre stuff so that which is often what happens when children are in an abusive situation they think that it's something that they've done that have created this to happen Mm -hmm. so it's their responsibility right so i took that on and the only thing that ever made me feel better was going to dance class so i became better and better and better practiced as much as i could so that five days a week i was going to school and dance class and mm-hmm. on the weekends I had parents around and it's funny if you if you talk to my parents now they talk about how I was the go kid I always wanted to go everywhere hmm. I just wanted to leave and go and it's it's so true because I didn't want to be I wanted to be with adults I felt safer with adults with my parents with aunts or uncles mm-hmm. I felt safe with them so I didn't want to be home I just wanted to be going what was what was the um, age difference between you and your perpetrator? Uh, six years. Okay. Six years. Okay. Six years. And um, so they th- that is an authority figure at that mm-hmm. point. When you're ten, someone who's sixteen is it has a sense of authority over you. Absolutely. And you had some trust with this person. I'm guessing up to this point. Yeah, or no? of course I did. Okay. I mean, you know, it was a it was a family member. Mm-hmm. So, of course, there's trust. This is somebody that I've known my whole entire life. And and probably in some ways uh, a younger sibling, un- un- unless there's a rivalry going on, you think of that person as um, safe, probably, and, mm-hmm. and maybe even a protector. I don't, I right. don't no, want to... Right, no, no, oh. I, I think this is absolutely correct. I, I do think of him as a protector and um, that if I needed anything, that's somebody I could go to and, and ask mm-hmm. and... So, of course, there's a safety and a trust, and then that gets broken, and then it gets put on you that you're the problem. Right. And it's it, I don't think any 10-year-old, 12-year-old, 16-year-old can truly understand exactly what has happened. No. You know? I mean, there's, <laughs> there's, there's no cognitive ability to no. be able to understand, and especially the emotional complexities of, of what are happening in, for ourselves, even if, right. you know, if someone's in that kind of situation. Yeah. It, it, it gets so much of reality gets convoluted, and what becomes what was thought of once as safe all of a sudden becomes unsafe. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so this went on for a couple of years. Went on for like. yeah, went on for two years. Okay. Um, and you know, I thought tried to think of everything of how I could get it to stop. And I mean, this is I'm, as a woman, I was like, hey, I I started my period. Hey, I I mean, I was trying everything, mm-hmm. and it just wouldn't work. The only thing that saved me is if I was away. Mm-hmm. And so I just tried to be away. And um, it wasn't until. I was 17. I was taking AP psychology Mm -hmm. in high school. And I was like, "Uh, I think I need to talk to someone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think I need to, I need to fix this. And so I actually, because you were becoming educated about what trauma and abuse. Yes. And you know, I knew that I needed to fix something when I went to talk to people about it. Mm -hmm. It was like, no, that didn't happen. No, you, okay. Maybe it happened. There's got to be a chemical imbalance somewhere. 
this is why your perpetrator did what he did, and let's never talk about it again. Let's when you say chemical imbalance, you mean for you or for not, the perpetrator? No, for the perpetrator. Okay, so yes. they were... they. I, and I'm not disagreeing that there were obviously some issues and mm-hmm. uh, mental health issues going on. Because, Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. That there was something happening that this somehow this seemed normal mm-hmm. and okay. Right. For that right. person. Um, but to blame the the chemical imbalance mm-hmm. for the problem. Yes. Is, uh, is well, in today's world, let's hope it's ir- becoming irrational. But yes. anyway. I'm so sorry. in that aspect blaming the chemical imbalance on, you know, that was the problem. Telling me to sweep it under the rug, never talk about it again. I took on more shame. Yeah. I felt like I just was very, yeah, I was very, get it under the rug as quickly as possible. I was very vulnerable, very open. And then at that point, I think I realized like, I guess, I guess the problem is me. Mm -hmm. And so then I became a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. And it's exactly what I did. I pleased everyone. I pleased mm-hmm. everyone around me. I did what they wanted to do. I never did what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And in my current writing, I started writing about how I didn't even know how I liked my own breakfast. I didn't even, you know, it was just like, I just did everything everybody else did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's go do this. Because I felt that if I ever had a voice, mm-hmm. it was a problem. I was the problem. Oh, because you having a voice or you you being or, or taking care of yourself or doing what you wanted to do would be part of the problem in yes. the first place. Okay. And so then part of the problem became, I'm not going to the Mormon church today. Oh, you are, if you want to live here. Right. Um, okay. But then it just came to a point of like, I'm not... I'm not doing this. Wait, what? What? This is this is an ongoing dilemma in in so many different <laughs> cultures. But <laughs> when someone said to you, you know, yes, you're going to church if you want to live here. What what age? What age are we talking yeah, about? Seventeen. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is this I'm, is always such a strange dynamic about yes. theological, um, you know. Uh, the, the, the theological uh, structure and, and dogma that all of a sudden you know the, this pressure or um, influence it becomes you know well you know you you want to you want to have a phone you want to have a bed you want to have you know, you know food you know yeah, you're gonna you're, you're gonna, gonna go you're gonna yeah, go to church you know you're gonna do yeah, this you know, um, do what you're supposed to do yeah, and again, I'm not saying whether that's right or wrong. I don't happen to agree that that's the way to promote healthy connection in a spiritual or religious environment. No. But I know it's often used. It is. Yeah, it yeah. is often used. Yeah. And and to be fair, I think that most 17 and 18 year olds mm-hmm. they're ready to be out of the house. They're ready to make their own rules because sure. I, I mean I thought I was way older at 17 than I really was. Mm-hmm. You know, in my mind. Well, you, and also I mean it's normal. <laughs> we want to differentiate from. Right. But, our parents, you know, yes. <laughs> we want to be able to move away at some point. Yes. So, yeah. And, you know, but that sort of started this whole downward spiral of, of looking at that particular religious belief. And mm-hmm. I, I, I don't judge anyone who is in that religion or any religion, because I think what works for someone doesn't work for someone else. And whatever works for them, do it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but for me in particular, I kind of looked at the sweeping everything under the rug, not talking about it, and then being like that I was the one to blame. But the reality of everything about the, 
you know, spiritual beliefs and the, I guess, the rules, right, of the rules of the religion uh-huh. was, was totally contradicting what had happened to me. But no one wanted to talk about it, which just raised my eyebrows even more about, well, okay. Well, the idea of circling the wagons so that we, and the idea of a family holding secrets is, is, is commonplace in many, mm-hmm. in many different ways for, for many different problems. We don't want people to know about, you know, Uncle Billy who's been off to prison and those kinds of things. Right. But abuse within a household is probably one of the most common things that families come, to get, come together and, and uh, coalesce around in the sense of one often enabling the perpetrator in, mm-hmm. in the first place, which is definitely not a healthy approach, um, and not getting them the help that they need, but also normalizing the behavior in a certain way so that the person that has been, in this case, in case you, Mandy, w- um, not getting, seeking the help and the counseling they need for the trauma associated with it. Did, did, did they? No. Okay. No. So there was no counseling. There was, there was, there was nothing. It was, let's never talk about it again. So it just didn't happen, right? Yeah, um, yeah okay. it just didn't happen. And so, you know, just sort of, you just move on with life. And I think I moved out when I was 19 and, you know, in and out of relationships. But mm-hmm. also, that's when all the health problems started occurring. Mm-hmm. And um, at 19, found out that I had endometriosis. By the time I'm 21, I'm having my uterus and cervix taken out mm-hmm. because of cervical cancer, mm-hmm. which... I now know mm-hmm. that it was caused from an infection given to me by by my, your yeah, which is even even worse and something that I get to carry on through life, mm-hmm. knowing that you know that's what that's what caused it. And so, you know, you have cancer at twenty one, twenty two. Your mm-hmm. life changes. Everything that you're grown up saying, Oh, you're gonna have kids and a family mm-hmm. and happily ever after, white picket fence and you know, I mean that's that's not just in I would say the the Mormon culture, it's in a lot of cultures. Oh yeah. You know? Um Well that's America. That's America, that's, right? that's that's suburbia. Yeah, right? suburbia. Right. Suburbia White picket fence didn't start here in Utah. <laughs> yes. So suburbia, but all of that changed in, in an instant and I remember lying there waking up from um having surgery you know to having the partial hysterectomy and I remember waking up and I remember my mom talking about how she, I was I was never going to have kids mm-hmm. it wasn't and I'm not saying she didn't say that she didn't it wasn't like she wasn't concerned about me but in my mind it was all about I'm not going to be able to have kids. I'm not going to be the daughter she always thought I would be. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to raise that family and live next door. And ironically, I do live next door. <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> Slightly different story. Slightly, but, yes. but it is a fascinating. The, it is fascinating. Yeah. But, you know, that was that was the concern for everyone. Oh, you're not going to have kids. Right. It was like immediately, I'm 22 years old, and they've decided that my entire life is broken. Mm-hmm. Because I cannot bear children, mm-hmm. and so that was another like. So under 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 certain doctrine, that is your purpose, in life. right? So that the the yes. so that you can grow and propagate, you know, a mm-hmm. certain belief system based upon that. Right. And understandable that that that's not an uncommon dynamic that happens 
you know, in certain groups and organizations that they believe you should, you know, propagate the, their philosophy right. and their belief systems. And so. this is, you know, 20 years ago, almost 20 years mm-hmm. ago. So we're talking, I mean, a lot is, a lot is, happened in 20 years. There's been a lot of changes. Yes. Yes. So I'm not, you know, I don't want to put any blame, but that it was again, like another like shameful thing that I held Mm -hmm. on to. I'm not good enough. Okay. So first it's my fault. Now I'm not good enough. (laughs) So what did I do? I ate chocolate cake. We were talking about food. (laughs) Okay. We're we're, we're going right to food. Okay. And, and it was chocolate cake or chocolate, you know, bake, baked bakery as, items. Yeah, as long as it was chocolate bakery mm-hmm. items. Mm-hmm. Not that, not you know, I don't want a Hershey bar. I want some actual like sponge cake, something yeah. that. Yeah, cake, <laughs> brownies, know. all those, all those kinds of things. Yeah, I got it. You know, but it's, it's got to have te- texture too. Got to right? have texture. Yeah. You know, it, it, that was my that was my comfort food, mm-hmm. and I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I'd make a cake. And every morning for breakfast, I'd take a piece of cake, and that would be my breakfast. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I can continue doing that for my entire life and not see some sort of result <laughs> in a negative way. <laughs> well, but yeah, which, well, and we can talk a lot about sugar too. Um, yes. Being a, a, a one of the probably the one of the biggest substance addictions that we have, especially in this country. I'm not saying we're, we're alone, but I'd yeah. say that's probably a, a huge issue that Americans struggle with. Um, so the food became a way for you to feel good or, or medicate in some form mm-hmm. to kind of, you know, like, calm down. I mean, what, 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 what were you when, with, with this, the shame that you were feeling, which, and you and I've talked about this in, in the past, this connection between shame and addiction and, and, and food being an easy one to, to find ourselves in. Um, what did you, what did you notice about that? I mean, what if you didn't have your cake? What, yeah, what, then anxiety I, and yeah, anxiety and sort of like, you know, just agitated and, mm-hmm. Angry. Mm-hmm. I was angry. I was angry, angry for so long. And you've, you, we've both talked about this too, how, you know, I just started becoming angry. I wasn't pleasant to be around. I'm sure I wasn't. I mean, you know, I just went through a few years of mm-hmm. like anger and why do I, why do I have to be the one to apologize? And why do I have to be the one to conform and say, oh, it's okay. But yeah, yes. I want to come to the big family gathering. That sounds fabulous. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, yeah. it's not fabulous because everyone has their own coping mechanisms. And I would go and it was more of like, you know, poke fun at me. And I was already so weak that poking fun at me just made mm-hmm. me angrier. So I handled it because, you know, I think I became like a professional at masking my feelings because sure. I had to. Yeah. If I expressed myself. Well, what's wrong with her today? <laughs> Were you often? Did you, did you feel? I mean, this this dynamic we talk about often um, is this being this, in some ways a scapegoat for the family for mm-hmm. problems in the family. Yeah, I felt I felt like it, and I still I, I mean, in some degree, okay, still feel that way. Well, family systems yeah. don't always change. I mean, yes. you may change, and right. you, you, when you have, um, but yeah. it doesn't mean the family system itself is adjusted always to that change. Right. They, you know, maybe, maybe some, but yeah, you know, and so few years of just, Hey, let's have chocolate cake. Let's, and so I'm feeding my body sugar mm-hmm. and find out that I have ovarian cancer. So it's like, here we go again. And then a year and a half after that, the other ovary, ovarian cancer, because mm-hmm. 
I was young. They didn't want to take everything. If something looked okay and it didn't have disease in it, they right. they didn't want to take it, which I can totally understand. Yeah, that makes sense you know? at the time. In, at the in time. The, and thinking. now I'm like, if I would have just taken everything, but there's no way to say if, then mm-hmm. that would have happened. I mean, life happens. Right. Life life happens daily. We don't know what's, what's going to come at us, mm-hmm. you know, to some degree, right? We're right. just like riding along and okay here and at some point i decided okay this this i'm just not in a good place i need to change everything and i think i the the first step in that i mean at this time now i'm about 26 26 years old mm-hmm. the first step in this whole recovery is well i need to f- something's wrong and i know that i need to heal myself but no one wants to talk to me about it Hmm. And I don't know what, where to turn, what to do. I'm, I'm eating, I'm gaining weight. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm just not happy. I mean, I'm crying in a closet because my pants, I can't button my pants. (laughs) Part of it's from surgery, part of it, you know, just all the changes in life. And so. Well, that, by the way, (laughs) crying in the closet uh, uh, is is not an uncommon (laughs) trait of human beings. Okay, good. I'm not the only one. You're not the only one crying in the closet. It's happened several times. Like, where are you going to find me? Hiding in the closet crying. (laughs) Oh, my. Okay. I'm not, I'm not minimizing the pain. I'm not minimizing the pain. It, it's just, uh, I too, at one point, have cried in my closet. Yes, I think, all, yeah. you know, we probably all have, but I'm just being it's honest. A yeah, it's a safe to, place. To do that sometimes. It's like they can't find you if you're there, you know? Yeah. I don't know. But something in me was like, you've got you've to you've fix this. You've got to change. And so I, I literally made a drastic change and moved. I moved. I moved to the Bahamas thinking... Mm-hmm. Okay, let's go to the ocean. <laughs> yeah. And that's a big change for someone that's... The beach. You, the beach. you went to the beach. Went to the beach. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've never lived outside of Salt Lake City, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so that, mm. was a, that was a huge step and so eye-opening because I started realizing, wait, hold on. I may not be the problem, but maybe I'm contributing to the problem because I'm just sitting here being in misery for myself. And then that's when I finally said, I need to learn, who am I? What do mm-hmm. I like? What do I love? I knew, I've always known I love to travel since well, and I you, was and you, you grew up being taught, brush it under the rug. Yes. So you do have this um, dynamic and, and mentality that was around you saying, this is how you deal. And, and supposedly, I mean, you learn different coping skills. I mean, chocolate cake's a good one. I mean, I don't, I don't mean that seriously, but I mean, yes. it's one that's, you know, it's accessible. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and, and so here you are all, all of a sudden wanting, well, how do I actually begin to address and deal these things? Mm-hmm. Is that, kind and of that's what came exactly, to you? that's, yeah, that's, that's exactly what came to me. Like, why am I, why is, why am I eating chocolate cake every day? Why mm-hmm. am I drawn to this? Why am I drinking a Coke? Like, wh- what am I doing? And I just stepped away from it all, and I had to change everything, you know? I was I was still dancing, teaching dance, and it just, I had to, I had to change everything. In mm-hmm. order to find out who I was, mm-hmm. I had to change everything, and mm-hmm. I had to change friends, had to change people I talked to, and had to change, just, I just had to change. Hmm. Because all I was doing was following everyone else and saying yes to everything that they wanted. Hmm. And that's not, that's really not me, hmm. but that's what was happening. Huh. And I was just, I, I was 
a people pleaser, thinking that that's that was the way I had to be. Yeah. Well, and probably um, looking for acceptance somewhere, mm-hmm. um, because as a child you you lost that you lost a sense of self acceptance, you know, because everything you had felt was n- normal up to that point was was you know abruptly changed and yeah. kind of thrown out you know everything you've learned so far don't believe any of it because it's <laughs> you know this is the this is the reality going forth and this is i mean i think in your own words this is why you're here you know you're here to i'm i'm, I'm, I'm you're here to to learn how to do these things yeah. which is you know in in a young child's mind is is a little just too much and too ir- irrational mm-hmm. to cope with sort of these are adult issues really yes yeah so um, what, what did you notice at, at this point when this, you began to develop this insight and you began to notice this? What, what kind of started to stand out to you? I think it started to stand out that I'd been suppressing anything that I'd ever really wanted to try or wanted to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd been suppressing um, standing up for myself. Um, I just started realizing that maybe maybe really like I am not the problem here. Maybe I wasn't the one in the wrong. Mm -hmm. And I started opening up. I mean, I started talking to people and colleagues and stuff and it became really interesting because they were like, that's not normal. Mm -hmm. This is not normal. This is, this is really a bad, a bad thing. Mm -hmm. And that's when I'm like, well, I always thought so, but you know, like, could never I could never truly I could never even truly get past it or really comprehend it because mm-hmm. I knew it was not right but then if I spoke up about it it was I was I was being you know the bad person again and so I just started realizing that I needed to. We all agree, right? We're supposed to keep this, keep it a secret because right. then it won't actually hurt anybody, even yeah. though all the pain is already there and you're not addressing the problem in the right. first place. And so I think that's really what happened is I realized how much pain, mm-hmm. how much pain I was truly in mm-hmm. and how good I was at hiding it. And, oh, yes. you know, so that's, that's really what it was. And, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful for experiences and friends that I've met along the way mm-hmm. that have been there to give me an ear and mm-hmm. to help guide me in the right direction. And just, you know, this is when I really started reading and trying to understand myself and trying to just realizing that i I did want to write and I did want to do this stuff and there was mm-hmm. there were dreams and goals of mine that I really wanted and mm-hmm. it was and but it became hard it became hard to step away from pleasing people it became hard to confront people because I did I, I I confronted the situation again and said my piece about it and how much it had damaged me and damaged me in relationships and damaged me in my own thinking and damaged me in my my own self-criticism mm-hmm. and my own confidence and it was a lot of hard work and it wasn't a year i mean it it still continues i think we're always doing work we're always it's a process it's a it process. totally is a process yes i mean people use the word journey a lot and i know that gets overdone but but it's true i mean this it's it's a experiencing life and, and learning how to do self healing is a process. There's no magic 
Yeah. You know, there's there are no magic wands. I mean, I, which is you understand being a people pleaser. I mean, we always wish there was a magic right. wand. We could fix everything hey, all the time, right? Fine. Yeah, wouldn't that be fun if I could just make everything better for all the people around me, and then I would feel better too. You yes. Know? But it's not that simple, no. as we know. It's not that simple because we all have stuff, Yeah, you know? And um, I think, too, even where with within my family, extended family and all, like, everyone had their own stuff. Mm-hmm. And this was just another thing that, like, how do we deal with that? Right. Okay, let's just not. And where's that balance of what do you fix? What, like, just... What's the balance? Right. What's the so, balance? like, everyone in the family's got stuff. Here's this stuff. Well, I, and I've got all my own. You know, each family member has their all their own stuff. Mm-hmm. And maybe this just feels too big to add to my stuff. So yeah. We just let's, and that's, you know, I'm not blaming anybody because right. here the thing is, is I had, I I had obviously went through this i had to fix this yeah i yeah. had to fix myself it, it, it ultimately what you're saying is is the key is taking responsibility mm-hmm. for for um and i know this this is counterintuitive for, for some people but in in my in my way of thinking and and in in my practice this idea of taking personal responsibility allows us actually to become the we, only only we have the ability to make the choice to heal ourselves Nobody else can heal us. I mean, people can be part of that process, you know, through learning to connect and be vulnerable. There's no doubt that we can, that can happen. But ultimately, it does come down to us to take that sense of responsibility. And that's what I'm, I'm hearing, Mm -hmm. Mandy, is this taking ownership that I, I'm the one that needs to do this work. Yes. And I can't wait for anyone else to go, okay, it's now time. Let's, all right. <laughs> let's, hey, let's, let's go, let's go forward let's now. Let's jump on this. <laughs> Everyone's ready now. Yeah. That, that's, that's sort of idealistic thinking yes. too, because it generally it doesn't happen. No. And I think, I mean, we're all searching for someone to, to fix us, to save us. You know, I was, yeah. I was, I was searching for, I was searching for Mr. Perfect to save me. Uh huh. Hey, if you're here, then I don't have to be the mean person, and you can talk back to them, or you, you know, you can you can stand up for me. Yeah. And then in the same meaning, you're gonna tell me what to do, and so it was like this continuous cycle that I was in, mm-hmm. just in this search for. Then it's like, no, I actually have to do this hard work, and I have to I have to do hard things, yeah. and I have to fix, attempt to fix. You know, just be whole. I had, um, I, was, I was telling you before we started today that I had um, Rosie Gremmett on last, last week. And she has, her website is, um, I, I, I do, I can do heart things. Mm. She, I know, one letter, isn't that beautiful? Love it. Yeah. So um, that, that, that's, I'm learning that, yes, we can do hard things. And um, it happens, it's usually us that makes things which also, you know, part of who we are often can bring the difficulty to, you know, accomplishing or moving through or working through things in our life. But I like what she said about that. And I, and I remember this, this idea that really a lot of pain and trauma and anguish is about healing the heart. And mm-hmm. I say this from my <clears throat> own experience with the heart attack recently that, you know, there is a correlation between this. It's, 
there, there aren't just isolated things that have happened that caused this. This is an accumulation over years of, of, of things. And yes, um, I can look at this strictly from a physiological point of view, but then I'm not being completely honest with myself if I don't believe that there's still things in my life that I need to work on and heal. Mm-hmm. You, I think you know what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and, and that, I guess that that's again, taking accountability that, you know, the, these things just don't happen in a, in a vacuum per se that, you know, I must find a way to work through these things and take responsibility for my healing. So, yeah, anyway. I, I do love that though. I can do hard things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which it's is true. different. Well, it's a different way of looking. At yeah. It. Well, it's, and it's interesting too. I'm going to go back to food because I, as you're sitting here talking, I'm like, Oh wow. Chocolate cake. I think that was feeding my brain, like telling myself, this was what I needed. This was going to fix uh-huh. it all. Uh-huh. But it wasn't feeding. It wasn't feeding the heart, no. right? It wasn't feeding that drive. And I, and when you speak of the feeding, heart, feeding yeah. the, the feeding. stomach and then all that sugar yeah. and wasn't helping the, the abs. Touche. <laughs> 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 I still like chocolate cake. Yeah, right, yeah, right. <laughs> Moderation. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the key, right? <laughs> Learning to moderate is is the key to everything. Yes. You know, right? I think the day that I realized that I finally like stepped into like big confidence, mm-hmm. you know, like, okay, I can, I, I do like, this is when I really said, I'm going to be a travel writer and a food critic mm-hmm. and I'm going to travel the world and I'm going to do this all on my own. And I had no idea how this was going to happen, but that's what I wanted. But you had a vision. Though. I had a vision. You definitely had a vision. Yes. Yeah. I had a vision. And I remember, I, I mean, I was, I was at a conference I was doing some PR work. I was at a conference and I remember meeting somebody that, um, I'll be honest, did not know who it was, but it's actually somebody that we should probably all know in life or know, you know, somebody in that position, we should at least recognize as, well, obviously they're, they've been a major leader, you know, Mm -hmm. in life. So, um, and I remember shaking his hand and I'm with, with a couple colleagues of mine and, Mm -hmm. He says, I'm going to speak tomorrow. I said, okay. He's like, what should I speak about? And I, you know, don't even know who he was. And I'm like, oh, you should speak from the heart. <laughs> and I think that's like, because you were talking about heart. It just took me back to this moment of time where I, I was like, I had confidence. And I, like, that was the first time I recognized that I was ready. I was ready to. Yeah to do what I wanted to do and to start speaking out and to start really, truly doing the writing that I wanted to do because Mm -hmm. I've had been trying to write about this Uh whole history for years, but it was always anger. And so at that moment, it's almost as long as I've known you. Yeah, yeah, I think so. (laughs) But you know, so it's just like, it was all anger and I finally realized like, no, I'm ready. And there are still, there's still steps, even, even in writing it, like you're still processing and you're like, Oh wow. Um, and that's, I think why we were talking about chocolate cake. Cause I was just writing about it. I'm thinking, you know, how crazy is that to recognize it and to start recognizing it in your own life now? Like, well, where are the things that you're turning to? Mm -hmm. And because it is a constant process, it is, you know, of making the heart happy, I think. Uh Yeah. So, what what I think is profound. I mean, I mean it's, it's it's hitting me so obviously is the statement that you you made to this this person that you had met. But but basically, you're you know you're you're talking. We're you know in that situation, we're talking to ourselves, right? right. Just just go speak from the heart. You know, I'm going, 
Well, of course, that's what I should do. Yes, you know? and that is what's so profound about it. Because I'm like, oh, right. Right, okay. And I still, like, and it's, it's still, like, it's part of the stuff that challenges me. Like, is this is this something that, like, my heart is saying, like, you have to do? Mm-hmm. You know? And I, it's 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 so interesting. And what's the answer if there is one? Is this something I have to do? I mean, I, or need to do? or? or? Yeah, I don't, I, I, I mean, the answer... Depends on what the question is, okay. right? But yeah, is I mean, what I'm, it's what you want to do anyway. It's what you I want to do. You want to, be, you want to live and speak through your heart. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Because I think that's that's the most important. Because when I'm not, I'm just I realize how unhappy I am. Because mm-hmm. you know, it goes back to that people pleasing or the, the stuff that I, I condition myself to learn and to do instead of what authentically was my, my true self, I guess, you know, like, well, well, it's it's perfect that you say conditioning because that's, you know, we learn to do things, but whatever our story or narrative is, right. That we, we take on and we create that for me to feel okay. You know, the people around me need to feel okay. Mm -hmm. And so I focus on their needs instead of really focusing on mine because you know what the fuck i don't i don't even probably know what i need in that moment so it's easier to focus well if someone tells me what they need well then you know i'll be okay because i can focus on that and 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 people always wonder about this the codependency issue or the dependency issue in relationships and i I have colleagues that don't even like won't say that word and i always kind of i'm beginning to laugh about it now because um i I realize that they have hang-ups about it because of the certain relational dynamics they have in their own life but the idea of of wanting to become someone who worries about someone else's needs more than their own um, just just means that uh, that's a way that I don't have to focus on taking care of my own, mm-hmm. and I don't. And maybe I don't know what they are, or am, am I just? I mean, and part of your story kind of rang. Or do I even really want to ask? Do I want to know what my needs are? You know, and um, I say this because I share sort of I have related to this recently <laughs> with <laughs> physically with my heart, yes. but also emotionally and spiritually with my heart too. That, you know, am I focusing, and I talked with Kristen about this, am I focusing and taking care of really, truly what I need to for myself? And this has been a good, this has been, I mean, I say, you know, people say, this was, uh, the, you know, these things that happen, especially traumatic things that happen. I'm having a heart attack is, is, uh, is something that has been a good eye-opener or awakening for me to look at all aspects of my life and how and really what is essential i guess it comes mm-hmm. down to what are the essential parts that i need and which parts do I, I i need to let go of i think that's i mean it's valuable insight and i think that's something that most of us tend to throw by the wayside we just keep going and going and going and we never sit down and evaluate what our needs are mm-hmm. you know um and i think taking care of ourselves is is the most important thing um, but a lot of people miss that because you're supposed to give and you're supposed to lend a hand and you're supposed to help your neighbor. Mm-hmm. And of course that's, we should do all that, right? We should, we should be that person that people can count on, Yeah. but we can't help them if we're not healthy, all right. whatever that looks like. I, it's, it's a, you know, so you have to evaluate sort of every day what, 
what is good for you and you know well the adage yeah. that you know we the adage too that you know we can't love someone else really truly till we love ourselves this yeah. this idea of self-acceptance and self-love how important that becomes you know when we decide to connect with someone you know in, in relationally what and that's one of those most fascinating pieces is that as long as we're looking for the uh, if we're focusing on pleasing someone else or we're hoping someone else is going to please us the chances are we're struggling on some level yeah. with self-acceptance yeah. and self-love and i can i can absolutely attest to that i can <laughs> absolutely attest to that um where you know in and out of relationships because i didn't love myself mm-hmm. and i thought they were going to love me mm-hmm. and that was going to be perfect and I was going to love them. And, um, but the reality of it is, is that's not what it was because I didn't have that self-acceptance. I mm-hmm. didn't have that confidence. I didn't, I didn't feed myself. It, it just didn't matter. I didn't take care of myself. I, you know, um, but I think it's, I think it's true. And, um, a lot of people like probably laugh at the concept of, oh yeah, self-love. Okay. Can't be in this relationship. And, but it's not about the relationship. It's truly about yourself Mm -hmm. and about your choices and, you know, all of that Mm -hmm. self-acceptance. And that, that was a hard one. That was a really hard one for me to learn because I didn't, I didn't feel that I should be accepted. I didn't feel that I should be loved. And I felt like they had something over me Mm -hmm. because of my past. So I lessened myself for them because again it was like being at home let's sweep it under the rug instead they're like well okay that happened to you so i'm i have the upper power and not that not that that was an abusive situation mm-hmm. i don't want to like make anything like that but it was it, i found myself getting into relationships where i felt less than I'm not saying they made me feel less than I felt less you, than. You, but you, it, you went in yes, with that dynamic. But it, it didn't. Get, yes. Yeah. So it gave it gave them the upper hand yeah. because I couldn't say no and I couldn't disagree mm-hmm. and I couldn't, you know. And that's the. It was my problem. So that was my mm-hmm. self acceptance problem yeah. that I was less than and I didn't deserve that. And so, why would anybody want to work with me? Why would anybody want to be my friend? Why? And I just sort of, I still remained so sheltered, even though I was out there in life, Mm -hmm. I was still so sheltered until I learned that, yeah, I felt less than, you know, I I felt really bad about myself. Mm -hmm. Hmm. This, this, this internal, internal struggle and based upon some of the things that you had learned. And I mean, we, I think earlier we talked a little bit about conditioning, but this story gets created that. You know, I'm always seeking for someone to tell me I'm okay. Mm-hmm. You know, that's someone to accept me, you know. And, and the idea that we attract people which will realize this dynamic. And I've talked, I've been talking recently about the power of um, body language and how um, body language communicates these stories to people without, you know, without any words or without, you know, any history or anything. It's almost as if people can pick up on it and and it, this is true we can read each other through our body language and the way we hold ourselves and i think that that even though sometimes these things are very subtle it it i think it's generally accepted that most of the communication actually comes from our expressiveness mm-hmm. and how we hold ourselves 
Absolutely. And that sometimes the story isn't always congruent with that. And so um, you're right. I think that sending those kind of messages out and holding ourselves in a certain way definitely does tell the outside world what's okay and what's not. Absolutely. So... Uh, learning, learning to, I guess, take a, again. We're com- I'm, I'm feel like a little bit like a broken record today. But coming back to, you know, and I'm, I'm, first I'm going to take the word out broken. Um, but I'm being a little bit repetitive. It just comes back down to accountability. You it know, does, and being willing to say, you know, I'm responsible for the message I send out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I that that again, I was like the biggest lesson. I had to be accountable. Hmm. I had to and even not just for the history, mm. be accountable for my actions in everyday life and what I was attracting in or what I was doing or not doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how much cake I was eating. <laughs> be honest with the fact of, you know, this is not okay. Yeah. Um, Can I eat, uh, you know, what, so, so today... Just regarding cake. <laughs> do you have conversations with yourself about this, or do you just you just is is the clarity and the moderation wired in now? Yes, the clarity and the moderation is wired in. Okay. Um, so it's not a it's not an ongoing thing. Which is it is funny though because I am I am a food critic now. Yeah, right. You know, I write internationally about food, and it's it's amazing. Um, and I love food. I mm-hmm. there's no secret that I love food. I do love food, but. I think coming through all of this and getting to the place that I'm at, I learned mm-hmm. I learned moderation and I learned that it should be a celebration. So if I want a chocolate cake or I want like oh, cel- yes. like to celebrate it mm-hmm. and to celebrate those food moments and those magic moments mm-hmm. of food because I'm not eating five star every day of my life <sighs> and or you know, three star. I mean it's it's it that food is a celebration and it's yeah. a it's a Food is almost like a common denominator among people and among cultures mm-hmm. and among being able to connect. Everyone can sit down at a table and enjoy food in some aspect. And, and that's so so beautifully said. You and we did talk, um, you know, before we started today. I did tell you a little bit about, um, you know, my my experiences recently. And I, I mentioned, uh, you know, Anthony Bourdain and 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 his and his uh, passing. You know, his his choice which is you know was to um you know choose to end his life mm-hmm. um and and knowing his past and his struggles and his trauma and you know that he he dealt with 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 substance abuse and and things and um i i kind of i kind of wonder and, and look at you know uh, the question i wanted i guess even i wanted to ask you a little bit earlier was did you ever have um, i am going to uh, find a tangible bit did you yeah. ever have thoughts of of you know, during all of this, when you you were younger, did you have thoughts of of you know, is there another way out of this? Yeah, I did, okay. and I'm not like I I'm not going to hide that because mm-hmm. you know it was it was in my early twenties after after the first moments that you start okay, this happened to me. You you really acknowledge mm-hmm. that it happened. Mm-hmm. People don't want to talk about it, mm-hmm. and then it's just like oh, she's the black sheep. Oh, she's so messed up. I mean, even today, members of my family will say, oh, well, we all just know how screwed up you are. And that's that's still a conversation. And so I can mentally handle it now. Back oh then, okay. Okay? Yeah. back then, I could not mentally handle mm-hmm. it. So I, I, you know, everyone wanted to save me. Mm-hmm. But 
they were trying to they they weren't helping me. Mm-hmm. They wanted to save me and push their belief system on so, on me. So so pray and fast more kind of things. Yeah. yeah okay. And you know, <laughs> go to church maybe. I don't know. Yeah. yeah right. No. But, that's, and that's true. You know. I mean, that's, but that's, that's and and theme. you know what? It's a, that's beautiful that people are reaching mm-hmm. out to help. Yeah. But sometimes I don't think we know what to say, and I think the 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 best thing to say is how can I help versus well if you did this. Right, you know, because for me, I'm very stubborn. You tell me what to do, I don't think I'm going to do it. <laughs> You're stubborn, <laughs> but, okay. yeah. Okay. But yeah, <laughs> but honestly, you know, so it's a great trait. Don't make yes. quality. Don't yes, stop yes. being please. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, it's the opposite. You know, so going through this time of trying to speak up, trying mm. to understand having cancer, having all these doctors' appointments, dealing with infections. I mean, I, I you know, dozens of surgeries and mm-hmm. just. Just all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Is there a better way? Mm-hmm. You know, I, everyone thinks that I'm the screw up. Everyone, and that's again my but, head saying that. Well, okay? this, you became the scapegoat or the mm-hmm. identified. We use the word IP, which is identified patient within the yeah. family. You know, if, if that person would, you know, if they would just do what we tell them to do, the family would be better and we wouldn't have these problems yeah. either. So, and I think that the thing, honestly, that probably saved those thoughts mm-hmm. was getting away, getting, getting to the beach I mean for some reason I get clarity in water like near the ocean yeah. it's just I'm very clear I, if I need totally some time it. I'm like <laughs> yeah, right. let's go to the water and yeah. I'll just feel a little bit better and I always do but I think that started that started that healing and those thoughts um, but it was still a journey yeah you know um, I think you know it's a it's a it's one of those little demons in your head when you don't feel enough mm-hmm. when you're you know, it's just, I don't know, it's just a, one of those thoughts mm-hmm. that it's, you can't explain. So, you know, going back to where I, before I did my nice little tangent there, yeah. boy, um, you, you were in, you were in, were you in Paris when this all went down with, with Bourdain? So I was, I was just getting ready to leave for Paris oh. right before it happened with okay. Bourdain and my, my friend was out there. But what's so interesting about Bourdain to me mm-hmm. is he was in Strasbourg. And I was in Strasbourg last August, mm-hmm. and I I sat there and I was like, oh, like all that when you hear the news and you're thinking, man, I probably walked in the same exact footprints mm-hmm. that Anthony Bourdain mm-hmm. was just walking, mm-hmm. right? You know, it sort of took it like put it into perspective for me, like, you know, we're all here, we're all doing our best, and we're all doing our day to day, and we truly don't know the. I guess the unhappiness or the unease, mm-hmm. maybe like the unease or unrest that someone's feeling. Mm-hmm. And, and I just, and I, that's, I think what really started getting me thinking about the food connection, mm-hmm. you know, and how much food has sort of been a vice, but now it's a moderation, but it can easily, you can easily turn it into, oh, wait, hold on. Look what I've been doing for two months. I've just been eating. Yeah. So what's wrong? But now I can sort of recognize that. Mm-hmm. But where, what do we hide in? And so with, 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 you know, with Bourdain being in Strasbourg and me flying to Paris and was going to write about food, mm-hmm. it, was, it was a little, you know, it was a little surreal. It, it seems that way. Yeah. But one thing that you and, I, you and I talked about this beforehand, too, was this idea of how food is, is a universal language for mm-hmm. people. It really is. And what we're talking about is... Um, uh, uh, taste and flavors and smells and all the sensations that come from that. 
um, they, I guess everyone has a different palate, but the, the complexity of this is so vast of how it brings people together. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, this, this idea, um, of, you know, where maybe where people can, you know, this idea of breaking bread and, and being together with people and sitting around and learning to be vulnerable. Food is a powerful way to do that. And, and not to mention, you know, wine and beer and, and, and you know, All that and, and spirits stuff. of kindness. Yes. They, they, they embed into that, too. Um, but that's part of the experience. And yes. so this this notion of ways in which, you know, we be we become to learn that we're more like each other. I mean, yes, the premise of this. This podcast is the idea that we're just all bozos on the bus, and um, I kind of felt that, you know, with with watching um, uh, Bourdain's stories and and seeing how he connected to people, and everyone kind of being the same, and every everyone having their own their own journey, and how mm -hmm. it all maybe looked different, but everyone could come together, you know, and share yeah. that moment, that meal, that that moment in time. And it sort of was an equalizer. Mm -hmm. And, and are you, I wondered if you're noticing that with, what, with what you do. Because yes. you're, you're now living <laughs> a, 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 quite an amazing life. I mean, no, you, know, you get to do, you're really do feeding some, your passions, Yes, right? I'm feeding my passions. Yeah. Um, but I, I want to say... Yeah, that was a, a yeah. little play on words yeah, there. I was, caught it. Yes. I caught it. Took yes. you. Yeah. Um, but I think Bourdain portrayed that beautifully, right? Mm -hmm. I, I want to talk about that because I think that what he did with with food mm -hmm. and travel mm -hmm. and connection it it wasn't a travel show it was no, it, wasn't. it was it was it was a people show yes you know it was a, a culture show yeah, yeah a culture, culture show right yeah. like we connected we connected because there was a story and the food brought that story out mm -hmm. and it's it he just did that he did that beautifully mm. like no one has done before and that's why we all looked at him saying wow this is so amazing, yeah. you know? And, um, so yes, with what I do, I do feel that connection. I feel, I feel this, this strong connection. Um, one of my, one of my favorite meals is, is, was literally in a Mayan home and dirt floor, mm. um, homemade and homemade on a garbage can lid fire. I like, love it. What's, you know, this is great. and and most people would never like want to put themselves into mm -hmm. that situation. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, yes, because yeah. now I have this new attitude of like, yes, yes, I'm going to do yeah. everything. I'm going to enjoy it. And, you know, I didn't speak Mayan. Mm -hmm. <laughs> My Spanish is not great, <laughs> but I know enough to, you know, at least get along. But it, it was the most beautiful experience because you have three or four languages sitting around the table. Mm hmm. And your your language is food. It really was. The, it is. It, it is. really Lang was the food. food is a language, and yes. you know by the smiles yeah. and the laughter uh -huh. and the hand touches or the, you know, watching the chickens run past the table. <laughs> and <laughs> it's, it's just, it's, it's an experience. Yeah. So yeah. food is an experience and that connection of just... It, the connection to the to the heart, I think, yes. you know, yeah. um, without it just being bad for the abs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I suppose it's only bad for the abs you know, if the abs don't have their yes. if they don't have in their excess. focus to yeah. you know they have and, they have their time as well. Yeah, in excess. Yeah. But yeah. you know, um, yeah. So I I do feel that, and I think, like you said, we all had this connection to to Anthony Bourdain because he he helped highlight that mm -hmm. connection. Yeah. 
Well, you moved back to Salt Lake recently. Um, you, were you living in Asheville or was, was it Charlottesville? Asheville, Asheville, North Carolina. Okay, North Carolina. Yes. Yeah. Um, by the way, a beautiful place. Beautiful. Just incredible. How, how long? I can't remember how long I was long you, there five years. Really? Yeah, oh my five gosh. years. It, and so amazing, you know. Um, yeah, just, I call it Narnia in a way because mm-hmm. it's so green and lush and you're going to turn a corner and you're going to be in this beautiful forest, mm-hmm. you know, rainforest type forest. And then two minutes later, you're at a great restaurant. Mm-hmm. Well, it has an amazing culture too. Um, and I, I, I'm, again, I, I mean, I learned about it from watching, you know, Parts Unknown. Um, so thank you, Anthony, again. Yes. Um, because <laughs> he did a couple of shows uh, from that area. Mm-hmm. And, um, including Charlottesville and, and a couple other spots. And it was really a powerful experience because um, it's easy to stereotype um, or cre- create some bias um, about places we don't know about. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and I know part of this, again, grows up with conditioning and, and how we're brought up. And one of the things that I learned about that part of, of the country is that how much, how rich the culture is. And I remember just learning about um, sort of the, the heritage and 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 the food that's that they were preparing nowadays, and how much it's kind of reaching back into the very early history, which is, you know, um, they're talking about um, having grains and some vegetables that haven't been around for a hundred years or one hundred fifty years that people somebody kept these seeds, and now they're growing this food that was here, you know, hasn't been around for over a hundred years or longer, maybe one hundred fifty years, and that. Th- that sort of the attitude and 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 the looking at this is it's almost restorative, mm-hmm. in a way of, of going back to some t- some place within our lives and some part of this you know if you want to call it an American journey, but it, it wove in with so many different cultures because there was Native American culture, <clears throat> um, there was African American culture woven into that part of our our slave culture got woven into that and to see these different components all come together but in some way create something um, new out of what what once was and mm-hmm. I just I, I look at that and I think yeah this is really we have so much in common um, we and somehow the differences which really are just these small percentages these small points. Um, begin to melt away. And I, again, I'm going back to food as being a way that that kind of is uniting people again. Mm-hmm. People from all different walks of life that yes. are, have come together for that. So yes. that's about as much as I'll talk about food today. <laughs> <laughs> Except I do want to ask you that, you know, this career now, you know, you you created this. This is your manifestation. It you is. You brought this dream it is. together. It is. What is that? What is that? What is that now? How does this does this feed you in such a way to to be sustainable now? I mean, is this something that's sustainable for you? It is sustainable for me. Yes, okay. it's a it's a beautiful it's a beautiful manifestation. And like I said, when I started out, I didn't know. But I think that we truly can. When you put in the work, you're not going to have every dream that you want, right? But. Uh, I still have other dreams, but it's a, it's a, it is a very, I don't know. It, it's feeding me. It's, it's, it's good. It's fun. Hmm. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're enjoying this. At a deep, I'm enjoying, deep personal yes, level. I am. I am enjoying this at a, at a deep level. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay. All right. Um, well, then we're gonna we're gonna move into some other areas if, if okay. that's okay. Yes, of and, course. And I'm really I'm really grateful <laughs> we got to talk about uh, about the uh, you know the, the 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 piece. So um, something that that came up the other day, and I, I talked about this with a group of people. Um, I was listening to another podcast, and someone was talking about the word nostalgia. And um, actually, who was it uh, Jay Dumbas? The uh, the author, um, writer, actor, director, um, Dumas. He 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 was talking about it, and he was referring to it as um, that it's a word that identified like a wound or a wounding. And I, I thought about that, and the discussion I had with with the, this group of people was, well, maybe it's not that limiting, but there is nostalgia based can be based upon something in the past that happened, um, and maybe the wounding part of it is that. It's when things were, it, it comes back because, you know, it it's, was the change of a time. So I look back and I go, oh, I miss that or I feel like it's a loss in my life. I wonder what your thoughts are about that, this idea of nostalgia um, being the sense of something that's lost in, from something of our past. That it's, it's not necessarily forgotten, mm-hmm. but it's remembered because we don't have it or, and maybe yeah. there's a... Uh, so that's really, I, I was running this morning mm-hmm. with, with my friend and we were talking about how, we were talking about my book a little bit and she was asking questions and I was talking about how dance was such a big part of my life mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it was just, it just wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, and then after that I tried to go back and teach a couple of classes, but it was just never the same for me again. So I have this passion and love for dance. Mm-hmm. And so it, that's like a nostalgic thing oh. for me. And I love the ballet and I love watching dance performances. Mm-hmm. So I still love all of that. But how it was this, you know, I was going to be a dancer for my entire life. That was sort of my my mind, you know, but... That was I had your story to, for a yeah, long Yeah, it was my story time. for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, when I stepped away from it to, to truly heal myself, mm-hmm. because it dance was my healing mm-hmm. at the time. It, it was feeding my emotional outlet mm-hmm. that I, you know, needed. Um, when I stepped away from it, I missed it so much because it had been every day, mm-hmm. every day for, you know, whatever, 20 something years. So now it is that nostalgia thing that is both still a passion and happiness, but it's also like a deep sadness because I realized that I was also hiding behind, like hiding on the dance floor what I needed to heal. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I think that, you know, maybe there is some truth to that, but it's, it's it's deep, yeah. right? It's it's really it's really deep, and to say, wow, is it is it a is it a wound? Is yeah. it? Um, but I I could say for me, maybe um, certain types of nostalgia yeah. are. I mean, it, you know, it, maybe the it, having a loss doesn't always mean a wounding, or having yeah. you know ha- having something change, or you know, because we can choose to change directions yeah. in life. We may miss something; a relationship can end, and you may have nostalgia over, you know, what could have been or what was at right. one time. Those kinds of right. things. I think dancing is a perfect example of that. Something that was for a long time the, something very passionate and and part of your life, and you found that maybe you you couldn't go yeah. back to it anymore. Yeah. So, yeah. But we'll. we'll uh, <laughs> We'll leave that. Yeah. But I'm, I'm going to somehow find 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 a way to uh, to understand more about nostalgia mm-hmm. o- over time. Um, so, 
I know, I know you know sort of some of my philosophy about the fixer and the saboteur, and uh-huh. you've kind of already talked about that in, in relationships because there definitely you wanted to be the fixer for a while. You wanted to make everyone happy. You wanted to take care of everyone else's problems, but that's not really a static, you know, dynamic in relationships um, because we can easily transition from one to the other as you kind of learn to go through all the different vastness of relational dynamics and and finding your way through this what did you notice about those different kinds of roles do you play did you did you i mean early on it sounds like you lean towards a fixer but did you find yourself also stepping into a saboteur role kind of intentionally you know creating chaos at certain times so that <laughs> it would throw things out of balance a little bit and I think so. I mean, for a long time, I was that that fixer, mm-hmm. um, but then I I did take that on that other role because why did I deserve this and why did I you know? Oh. And so it was it it was back on myself because uh-huh. I still wasn't fully you know self self aware. Mm-hmm. I guess as you sure. say. Yeah. So yeah, I did go into those like, well, maybe I should sabotage this or you know get more angry because of this and just. Yeah, I think I think definitely it took on both roles. Yeah, it is fascinating how we can move from one one thing to 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 another like that. Um, yes, I, I, and I think these roles can change over time mm-hmm. in different different parts in our life. Okay, um, what would you if when you look back over life and you know uh, you look over um, your life story as you would be, um, what what would you say are some of the the, the the milestones or touchstones of things that you've learned, like life lessons and that you got. And did, did you learn that on your own or did you, you know, was it, did you, someone else kind of give an example and taught it to you by, by chance or was it, what, what do you see as those, those life Um, lessons? I think there's a lot of life lessons. (laughs) Um, but I think the biggest change in life lesson was, was who I spend my time with. And how I spend my time. Oh. That was a that was a big one for me. Um, I uh, yeah, I think who I spend my time with and how I spend my time with you know how I spend my time because I could waste a lot of time really easily, but then I can't do everything I want to do. But then having enough time, like and not enough time, but also having the quality time because what's the most important things. It mm-hmm. all comes down to time. Right. Where do you want to spend your time? Right. And so that was my biggest lesson. And, you know, I had some really good friends out of Seattle that, that first taught me that lesson because when I met them, I was sitting in Vegas and I was staring off into space and they we're having like deep conversations and they looked at me and they said, be in the moment. It doesn't matter about what happened then or what mm-hmm. you're thinking about or what. And I literally sat there and was like, oh, be in the moment. Wherever I'm at, I want to be in that moment. Mm-hmm. And I want to make use of that time because you don't know if you're ever going to get that time back. Mm-hmm. So time. Being in the moment is, a, is like the, the epitome of, of self-awareness and insight mm-hmm. is, can I be conscious in this moment without playing an old tape? Yes. You know, can I be present and and be able to take in what's happening around me, which is an act of vulnerability too, an intimacy that I'm going to willing to show up right now, and I'm not going to have need to have some old tape playing that's going to define what this moment is supposed to look like. Yeah. So, okay, beautiful, uh, and a l- little bit on the Buddhist side, of, of course. <laughs> 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 okay. Um, wh- what brings you joy? 
Ooh, what brings me joy? Yeah. <laughs> Besides chocolate cake? No, I'm just yeah, kidding. Yeah, no. Just kidding. We can, we can, we got that one. Yeah, okay. no, 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 and then no. sort of, yeah. um, <laughs> What brings me joy? You know, if, <laughs> there's a lot of things, but I think um, having my time in the clouds. I know that that it's it's a that's a personal time for me. I'm not saying I won't travel with anybody. Like I love traveling with my husband, but even even if he's there, like that that is my joy. That mm-hmm. my joy is is being in the clouds. Mm-hmm. Um, I get inspired. I I write. I do a lot of stuff. <laughs> I want you to explain what the clouds is, so oh, people are I'm not sorry. thinking you're sitting around. I know. You know, um, in so, a field of magic. Yes, it's you know. flying. Yeah, right. So that looks like a yes. rabbit. <laughs> Flying. I don't love air airports mm-hmm. all the time, but mm-hmm. flying. Mm-hmm. So I love flying. So I call flying cloud surfing. Mm-hmm. So being in the clouds yeah. is cloud surfing. Um, yeah. That brings me joy. Traveling, meeting, just just seeing people because I think travel changes you just mm-hmm. like food. I, I, we're going back to food and travel, but it changes you. It mm-hmm. allows you to expand your mind. It educates you. And education is, is just the thing. I think the the way to um, create better human beings, create better understanding yes. of each other, and so that's that brings me joy. Um, but you know, of course, my husband, stepdaughter, they bring me joy. Yes, absolutely. But if you ask me, like the one thing is yeah. knowing that I I need to get on a plane sometimes, mm-hmm. and. They just get it, and no, they get I, me. I get it. I get it. I, mean, yeah. I get it because I, I say, <laughs> you know, it, 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 talk about body language because <laughs> I've I've seen when you when you when you talk about this, yeah, um, it can even feel it in your words, which is written words. So I, I get that. I mean, it re- that resonates when you say that, but also when you you, you know you there's pictures of you and you know and I you can just tell by the the joy on your face and that yeah. so that 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 makes sense. Um, with, with that, uh, you know, with, with that, the, the travel and everything that, that comes comes along with this, um, this idea of, um, do you have like a, a favorite place that you've that you've gone to in the, in the past? I don't I don't want to say how long, but this past mm-hmm. year that's just really popped and 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 and, and resonated or struck some struck a chord. Mm. Well. There's a lot of places, yeah. but um, well, you can list yeah, more than one. I yeah, mean, but a the- but a place that really resonated. Um, I would say I would say Paris. Um, okay. That was my first time to Paris. Oh, yes, okay. yeah. Everyone's always shocked. They're like, but you, you travel, <laughs> so, yes, yeah. but yeah. Um, well, and Morocco. Uh, Morocco was amazing. So I'll I'll save Morocco. Let's talk about Morocco first. And my favorite experience in Morocco was taking a hike in the High Atlas Mountains, mm-hmm. and you know, nobody's there, but you're looking at like all these go, you know, like there's walking along the, you know, um, these rocks and we stop and sit down and the, the, the Berber men are creating a beautiful lunch for us spread Mm -hmm. out on like this little blanket in Mm -hmm. in the middle of the mountains and Mm -hmm. no one would ever find you. No, (laughs) they probably would. But, um, that resonated with me because Literally after you walk through the oldest village in Africa, mm-hmm. the oldest village, and you're it, it just it just brings you down to this to earth, right? Mm-hmm. It brings you down to earth, saying mm-hmm. we've we all walk footsteps every day. We all they and to to know that you're walking through a piece of history and a piece of time mm-hmm. is 
is so beautiful, right? Okay. And it, it brings like this connection. But Paris for me was was just bringing food almost full circle, and they that's where you know they started. It's really like the culinary mecca. It is right. Yeah, so no, culinary them, mecca, sure, and yeah. then you start talking about food internationally, and you start thinking about um, how young our nation really is. Yeah. You know, so a lot of different connections for different reasons. Um, but also, you know, just this this dream of what Paris is like and, you know, feeling, I don't know, feeling a little, I, I was going to say nostalgia, but I don't know. No, I was, that, like, that was the word that was that's, coming that's, into yeah, my mind. So it's, it's, I don't know, it's, it's interesting. I spent three weeks um, there in, well, anyway, I've, it was back in the 70s, let's put it that way. And, um... <laughs> And it was it it was life changing. I mean, my experience living. Uh, we lived in an apartment uh, with a, I, for a couple of friends. I, I went to Europe for six months, but Paris had something. It took me out of sort of some kind of conditioning I had been in for a long time. Um, and I was, I mean, I was just eighteen, so I, I mean, I was still young and and very naive and and, and very foolish. Um, but it kind of slapped me in the face about you know how to explore and and be part of a different culture and and learn to you know adapt to it and that to get out of the comfort zone of of what I thought was you know life was all about mm-hmm. um yes there's all these connections with humanity and and seeing that there's a lot of things that bring people together again food being one of them um but also realized how simple I thought you know had thought life was and, and how well planned out I thought it was, but that that was just a very narrow view at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've spent uh, uh, almost a month in France and traveling to some very remote areas, which you know, which for me seemed like at the time um, were just some some small farm communities, and then uh, also attending the, the the tail end of the Gypsy Festival in Saint Arles on the Mediterranean, and um, which was a, another life changing experience for me. Um, and no, and thinking back at, at that time, I get what what travel did for me. It, it did change my life. So mm-hmm. much much appreciate appreciation. <laughs> okay. Um, how do you how do you connect to your Zen spot or your Zen zone? And that you know, we, I call this the Zen zone in here. So yeah, um, how, how do you connect to that in, in your life? And I mean, you talked about you know the joy and the, and the cloud surfing and those kinds right. of things. But how how do you connect you to your true north? Um, yoga. 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 Yes. Yoga is my yoga is my Zen thing. You know, it's and I know if I haven't done it for a while, and I yeah. even have friends that live in um, Maryland. She'll call me and she'll say. Maybe you just need a yoga class. <laughs> I'm like, oh wow, okay. <laughs> but and, you, friends, and you're also going. She's probably right. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, good friends do that. You want to be angry, and then like a second later, you're laughing about the fact that she knows you that well. So, um, no, yoga, yoga is my yoga is my thing, hmm. um, and it's it's balancing for me, you know, because it's. Every day can be different on your mat, and it's a yes. struggle in so many different ways. Yeah. Some days you're stronger than other days. Yes. Some days your mind is playing tricks on yeah. you, and some days you just want to lay there and cry. Whatever that is, I just do it. Yeah. So, which kind of takes the full circle about the conversation about being in the moment. Mm-hmm. I do believe yoga is one of those the, those practices that can 
really, no matter what's going on in our lives, can have us get into the moment, no matter what it looks like, whether mm-hmm. it's frustrating, yeah. angry, sad, yeah. you know, peaceful, blissful. I mean, it, anything can happen in, in anything those Anything can happen, yeah. and it's, it's, it's often fight or flight mode. <laughs> you know, it really, for me, it is. I'm like, oh, if I have to lay in Shavasana for five more minutes, but be in the moment because it, it just, it clears, it clears my mind, mm-hmm. clears my mind, yeah. you know, so. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay. Um. <laughs> That's the Buddha in me. <laughs> yeah. Where's the cake? Okay. <laughs> All right. So what, uh, what are your beliefs about, um, you know, about faith, meaning of life, God, the universe? What, you know, I mean, I like to ask this question, especially for those that, you know, have, have grown up in one, one dynamic and one culture and have learned to expand out their experiences because it evolves for most people. And I mean, for most yeah, people, it does most, evolve. I, yeah. I think it, I think it evolves even if you stay within a, yeah. a certain belief a certain system, right sure. yes yeah. so i think it always evolves and i think it continues to evolve for me so um i don't i don't follow a religion per se mm-hmm. i um i think it, it kind of goes back to like my connection is to my yoga mat which is it's not my you know it's not my faith i don't i don't think that at all but um I think well, um, yoga is a pretty is a spiritual. Yes, practice. it is. Yeah. It is a spiritual practice, yeah. but it's you know I don't I don't call that my faith or anything. Mm-hmm. I just I I don't know. I I I guess the universe, but I think that that word is overused <laughs> a lot. So I don't yeah. like to. I don't even like to say like oh, the universe and mm-hmm. this and that. I just um, I guess I just follow my heart. Okay, you know, be kind like. Be kind to people. Be kind to myself. Um, hmm. You know, love. I think love. love. Love is my faith. Okay, beautiful. Yeah. I, uh, Took me a minute to get. I that. love that loves your faith. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so I told you at the beginning I was going to ask you this question. So, uh, <laughs> so if there was a if there was a playlist for your life. Um, uh, something that uh, some type of or, or music or song that that you think kind of represents your story up to this point, and uh, are there a few songs that may do that if uh, you were to put that playlist together? Uh, yeah, I think I think I do have a few songs, and um, I was not prepared for this, but <laughs> but I will say um, the song that that started with my with my healing there's a song and i believe her name's april mclean um i could be saying that wrong because it's been a while since i actually listened to this song but it it's called becoming Mm -hmm. it's about a five minute song about i am becoming love i'm becoming healed i'm becoming Mm -hmm. but it's it's this beautiful song of just um just becoming like overcoming and becoming and that for a long time that was me i'm overcoming Mm-hmm. I wasn't I wasn't in the becoming stage. You know, I was just overcoming. Okay. And so that that that's the first, but um Frank's that's, a, that's a beautiful representation of uh, the idea of overcoming and becoming. Mm-hmm. Like uh, and and maybe I'm over thinking about this, but they kind of seem like they they must somehow fit together like a yin and yang kind of yeah. um dynamic that one kind of falls in or leads in or moves mm-hmm. into the other and then maybe back around again. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, no, I, I feel I feel the same way. Okay. So I think that song has played a major 
role in my life without it it's not on my daily playlist but it's something that like if I hear it it takes me to this place of like I have I have become okay you know so um, and then I talked about this <laughs> with my husband the other day and it's kind of funny I don't even know why we were talking about it but it was we were talking about like oh what if we had a life celebration and what would your playlist look like oh good and yeah, so little I, did you know I, little did I know and he has like specific he had like he was like this one, this one, this one, this one, and I and we have a song that that is it's more of you by Chris Stapleton, and that's our song. And I was like, I'd want to play. He's like, I could not take it. I would cry the whole time. No way, nix uh-huh. that. You can't have that one. And you know, and we and so, but I wasn't really thinking about it because I needed time to like process. And I thought about it. And I said, okay, here's here's the song that I want played. If there's one song played, I said Frank Sinatra, my way. My way. And he was like, that is your song. I'm like, yep, my way. Because I, I, I did it my way, you know, the way that I, the way, the only way I knew how. And I think that's, that's the representation. And that actually almost got me choked up, so there you go. <laughs> your body language is, is, is showing the, the vulnerability. Yes. Yeah. It's beautiful. And that's beautiful. And that's love, too. That's that love. is love. That's love for that's love for ourselves. Yes. Okay. So, how do if people are interested in wanting to you know read your articles and your stories and how how what's the best way to so for people to be able to connect if yeah. they want to understand about your journey and and do you do you want I know you're you are writing your book and yes. you know this this is. Um, do you have any thoughts when, I mean, I'm going to throw a lot out and you can answer what you want. Do you, any thoughts when that may be available to people who want to? Okay, so um, first, connect. Mm-hmm. Probably easiest through my blog, cloudsurfing.life. Um, there's a way to, to contact and um, all my articles are there. It's a lot of travel, a lot of food. Um, also, there's inspirational. You just have to look for the for the inspirational mm-hmm. stuff. But it's it's there. I, I used to have two. I combined it to one because just what I everything I want mm-hmm. to do is fall under that. Um, I'm going to be doing some producing of like hometown America stories and some cancer stories and some working on a bunch of production stuff. But um, my book, my book. Um, mm-hmm. I'm hoping to have it um, out by September. Wow. Yes. So. That's soon. That's that's really soon. Yeah. But I'm putting a lot on myself to, to make yeah. that happen. But I um, I'm all for for setting goals. By yeah. So yeah. so I, I I would like to have it out by September. Okay, okay. that yes. would be great. And 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 maybe uh, at that point maybe we'll come back and talk talk about this again. And, That'd be great. And that kind of thing. The um, the thing about being able to connect and 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 you know understand what's going on and and uh, I also um, when, I, when I think about you know the the things that you've been involved with over the years and, and how you've connected, you, you've also I know been involved with the TED Talks mm-hmm. locally, right? Locally. So, um, are, anything on the horizon coming up for? Yes. Okay. So um, we just I I just put on TEDx Riverton in March. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm the, the local organizer for TEDx Riverton okay. and going through the application process every year you have to reapply and uh, get, you know, mm-hmm. the licensee, but you, it's still a process. And as soon as I choose a theme, I'll have a date. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, okay. But you're planning but to continue doing Planning that. to continue. Okay. So it may be October this year. Oh. And um, I may push it out until after the holidays. So it's either right before the holidays or 
you know, right after the holidays. Okay. Am I the only one thinking that that with your book coming out in September to do? It's uh, a lot, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I work better like just having my to-do list, I guess. Yeah, and, and I, I don't know <laughs> shit. So don't, don't know. <laughs> no, I don't know. We'll see. Well, the answer is there is going to be one. I mean, mm-hmm. sometime in the next eight to nine months. Okay. Perfect. Okay. And um, and if you want to find out more about that, then again, go to Cloud Surfing. Cloud Surfing. You can email me there or. Um, TedxRiverton.com okay. is, yeah. But, okay. You know. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Mandy, thank you so much for thank spending you so this much. morning with me today Thanks. and with our listeners. It's been a real honor. And um, best wishes. I'm so glad your life has turned into this beautiful journey. And thanks for sharing both sides of it today with us. Thank you so much. And we will go out, as we always do, with a little Joan Osborne. Have a good week.